Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. All right. Hey, good morning. Wasn't that awesome? That thing right there? Hey, yeah, you can clap. You can clap because... These guys put this together, our team did that, and um, each one of those individual movements was a separate picture that they took, and they, they put it all, it's amazing, the art of neighboring. Hey, I'm Tim, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I'm part of the team here at Hope Church, and um, we are so glad that you're here today. Uh, on a Sunday morning where the marine layer was super thick, and it makes your covers seem super comfortable, you got up and you came uh, out here today, and there are those of you who are joining us online and those who are out on the patio, and so we welcome everybody who's here today. And uh, we're starting a brand new sermon series called The Art of Neighboring, and we're so excited about what God's going to do. And I have a very, very special announcement that I want to make at the end of the message today. So if we get to the end and I haven't made a special announcement, you need to remind me because maybe I'll forget, okay? So you just call it out. Just, hey, don't forget. Um, all right, so we're going to jump in today. So I wanted to show you something. I, I wanted to, to get personal with you today. Um, I, I, are, you, are you ready to get personal with me today? Are, uh, yeah, okay. I, I've got some, some encouragers here today. I want to show you the picture of my very first kiss with Nicole. Watch this. My very first kiss with Nicole. We, we somehow we got a photographer to take the picture. We didn't know it was going to happen. Oh, okay. So it was our wedding. So it was our very first kiss in our married life. This is Nicole and I, and you could tell the quality of the photography so many years ago was amazing. Um, and there it is. Yeah, there is. Nicole is kissing some dude that has hair on. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I think I'm pretty sure that's me. And um, there's a lot that went into that moment. And um, so if you've ever been married, kind of know what it's like to stand up there and and have this first kiss. And there's so much that goes into it. Right. So much. There's a dating relationship and there's a there's a engagement usually. And there's a there's a planning time frame, and there's like all the things and all the family and all the, it's like, da, 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 and it kind of culminates in this moment, and you have the kiss, you've been, you've been declared married, and then comes this. This is the next picture. Then comes this. This is the moment where we turn, and we're, we're in it, right? Like, we're going to start walking back down the aisle together as a married couple, and we're ready. This is us ready to face a new life together with no understanding of what it takes. <laughs> like, no, like, no understanding that we were going to have to learn and change and grow and yell a little bit. There might have been some stuff broken in anger. Like, we're going to have kids, we're going to go through a heart attack, we're going to go through, you know, in between our first, we have three kids, and in between our first and our second, we had two miscarriages, 
right? Like we're going to go through some really challenging times. And of course, we're going to go through some really amazing times. And we just had no idea at this point. Like we're turning, I'm probably looking at my brother right there going, yeah, buddy, we're, we're walking right out the aisle. We're not even going to reception. We're going straight to the honeymoon. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to, like, that's probably what I'm doing, you know? And uh, I don't know what Nicole's doing. She's looking down like, what did I just get myself into? I'm not sure what's happening there. But, um, but here we are, 24 years later. Look at this picture. 24 years later, this is the two of us, and we're here, of course, this is our home, and, and um, you know, I now have a hat on because I don't have any hair to, like, show off like I did 24 years ago, and um, this is us, and we've learned some things along the way, you know? We've grown, and we've changed, and we've, we've seen um, God do some miraculous things in our, in our marriage, and um, and it's been an amazing ride. We love it. We love it. And um, we're entering a new season now where two of our kids are in college. And we just dropped off one a couple of weeks ago. And, um, and we're, we're feeling that, right? We're, we're feeling that, that moment. We're in that season now. We're in a new season where all of a sudden, more often than not, we turn around and we say to each other, we, this is so funny, we do this. We're like, oh, I guess it's just the two of us for dinner, isn't it? And we say that every day almost, like it's a new, like it's a surprise. Oh, I guess it's just the two of us for dinner. Um, and so Jake's out, he's working, so he's doing his thing, and, and we're in this new season of life. And, but we've, we've learned, we've adapted, we've grown as we've gone along. And, you know, following Jesus is a lot like that. Um, it's a lot like that. You, you have this moment, and if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you can remember this moment. You have this moment where you place your faith in Jesus. And everything changes in that moment. Everything changes. And if you're, if you're here today and you haven't done that, let me tell you a little bit about it. You, you come to a place in your life where, where you recognize that you need something more than yourself. Like, like yourself is not getting it done. Right? And, and God, in his great love for you, intersects you at just the right time with the good news message of Jesus. And you're confronted with his love, and you're overwhelmed by his love, and, and you, you recognize in the moment that, I think, Jesus is the answer. And, and you step out in faith, and you put your faith in Jesus. And, and, and as you say yes to Jesus, your life begins to change, and everything changes in a moment. And all of a sudden, you have a new perspective. You see people differently. You see your day-to-day -day differently. You see your low times differently, because now you have something to grab a hold of, right? Your high times you see differently, because now you have someone to be grateful for, um, you see everything differently, and you begin to learn, and you begin to grow. Now, Nicole and I had to master the art of some things in our marriage, right? We had to master the art of, uh, well, master the art makes it sound, sound like we've done it. We had, to, we had to begin the process of mastering the art, which we have not yet completed, of things like communication, right, um, of, of sharing to this day, though, Nicole and I do not share meals when we go out. Maybe that's you. 
and God bless you for that. Um, we don't share meals when we go out. We're like, no, we're too hungry. I'm eating this meal. You eat your meal. Like, we don't share meals. Um, early in our marriage, we didn't play games. We, we stopped playing board games together, like just the two of us. We stopped it because we're ultra competitive, the two of us, and it did not end well every time. And so we're like, okay, let's stop that, and we'll play like, like group games. But um, we had to learn how to do some stuff like that. We had to learn the art of putting our head down on the pillow and pretending like we were asleep so the other one would get up and walk the dog in the morning. We had to learn that art. That's, that's an art. But am, am I the only one that does that? May, someone just, just went like this. Yes, you are. Um, we had to learn those things. And following Jesus is the same. It's the same. We have to learn the art of some stuff. There's, there's, there's a, a great, amazing, beautiful moment like the kiss you have at the altar when you get married. Um, but how many of you know that a great kiss at the altar doesn't make a great marriage? Uh-huh. Yeah, somebody back there was like, amen, yes. Um, it's the same thing with following Jesus. Saying yes to Jesus is amazing, and it's awesome, and it's so good. It's the best decision you'll ever make in your entire life. But it doesn't make you a great follower of Jesus. Just like you walking into a bakery doesn't make you a bagel, right? It, like like the, you enter into a relationship with Jesus, and then you have to learn the art of some stuff. You, you have to grow and, and become. And here's the good news with all of that, is that God, as he leads you to learn and grow and become and master the art of some things, he does it because he knows what's on the other side of it for us. He knows that on the other side of us learning, growing, and becoming is the life that he designed for us, the abundant life, the full life, a life that you can't even imagine, like the young couple standing there having just turned and are walking back down the aisle as a married couple. A life you can't even imagine God has waiting for you when you do that. And so over the course of the next four Sundays, we're going to be talking about the art of neighboring. Now, now, what's the big deal about the art of neighboring? The big deal about the art of neighboring is that God thinks it's a big deal. And in fact, here's the big idea of truth we're going to explore today. That loving your neighbor equals loving God. Like, it's on the same playing field. It's of the same significance. God sees loving your neighbor as loving him. This is a big deal to God. It's not like, hey... Um, Love me, and then, and then I have some stuff over here that I'd like for you to do or not to do. He says, love me and love your neighbor. It's one and the same. Jesus said it like this. If you hate your brother, you cannot say that you love me. Woo! Well, I mean, we're talking about some, like, some serious, serious teachings of Jesus. And so we're going to jump into Mark chapter 12 today, and we're going to let Jesus teach us a bit about this. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, you can turn to it, or you can just look at the screen, um, whatever works best for you. But we're going to journey through uh, Mark chapter 12, just a few verses in this chapter, 
And we're going to let this be the springboard for the next four Sundays. And on that fifth Sunday, at the end of the message, remember, I have a special surprise announcement for you, okay? On that fifth Sunday. So I'm telling you a little more and more as we go. Pay attention. Here we go. Here we go. Mark chapter 12. Are you there now? Mark chapter 12, verse 28 is where we're going to start. And it says this, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Now, it's obvious we're parachuting down into the middle of a Bible story. Okay? So let's, let's figure out where we are. Jesus now has been born... He's lived 30 years of his life. He's gathered a group of followers now to himself. And the last three years of his life on earth, he begins to teach and heal and feed people and um, uh, begin to grow a, a following. And he's, he's, he's instilling into them the, what he calls the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. It's the way of Jesus. Right? So we have the truth of Jesus, and we have the ways of Jesus. In this particular passage, Jesus is going to show us both. He's going to teach us his ways by teaching us his truth. So here's what's happened. The religious leaders have decided that they don't like Jesus. They hate Jesus, in fact. And so they've started to try to tear him down. They've been throwing things at him like verbally, they've been trying to trap him. They've been, they've been trying to see him fall. How many of you um, have people in your life that you are convinced all that they want is to see you fall? You have people like that in your life? Jesus had lots and lots of those people, so you're in good company. So these guys came to him one time, and one group after another of religious leaders began to throw out questions to him to try to trap him to try to get him to stumble and lose credibility with his followers so they could turn around and say, see, I told you. I told you Jesus was a fake. And this is one of those times. One of the teachers of the law then came and heard uh, Jesus debating with these religious leaders, and he decided he wanted to turn. He stepped into the ring, and he threw a punch. He said this, Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer for the last question, he asked Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Okay, that's a pretty, pretty big question. Like, there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of commandments that these religious leaders had created. Every one of them had the ones they thought were most important. Have you ever been to uh, a church or been a part uh, around, you know, a religious type person? And um, it was very obvious sort of what their thing was. They were like super hyper-focused on something, and it wasn't the main thing. And, and you're just kind of like, wow, wow, like something just doesn't quite feel right about it. There, this is what Jesus was dealing with. He was working with these people, and here's, and here's what Jesus said. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. And he began to quote some scripture from their, from their Bible, what we call our Old Testament today. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, why would he say that? Like, that's not the most important commandment. Why would he start with that? 
Because he's wanting everybody to know that the Lord is one. There is no confusion about this. It's like he was grabbing people by the face and saying, hey, 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 listen to what I'm saying right now. I'm, there is no confusion about this. This is what God has to say about this. And here's what he said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And the second commandment is this. They go together. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. He puts them together. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor. You can't separate the two. They go together. You can't have one without the other. If you say you love God, you must also love your neighbor. Here's our challenge with that. You know, yesterday was um, September 11th, 20th anniversary, and uh, former President George W. Bush, not his dad, H.W., um, I do a really great impression of H.W. I'm so tempted to do it right now in this moment, but that's not the special surprise I was telling you about. We'll do it after the service. Sorry for those of you online. On the patio, I'll do it for you. Um, but George W. Bush uh, was speaking yesterday, and he said, he said, those days of unity that we experienced right after September 11th seem like a distant memory right now. And it's true, right? I mean, when you think back, I know I did this. I did a little bit of reflecting yesterday as I watched different things, and I thought about the unity that we experienced in those moments. Church is filled up in the weeks after 9-11 because people recognized their need for something outside of themselves. People were kinder. People were more helpful. People were neighboring well. Now more than ever, we need to reclaim the art of neighboring. And who's going to do it? Who's going to do it if not the church of Jesus? Who's going to set that example? Who has the power to do it? Because as we've seen after 9-11, look at, look at what it took to collectively bring us to that moment where we started practicing the art of neighboring and then look how quickly we lost it. And now look how far we've come from it. We can't do it on our own. This is why these two commandments are so tightly connected. Because I can only neighbor well if I have the love of God inside of me. You, oh, oh, listen, you can neighbor well for a while. But eventually you'll burn out. Eventually you'll stop doing it on your own. But if the love of God is in you, heart, soul, mind, and strength, if it's in you and it's rooted and it's a well that is within you and it comes out, there is no end to that well. 
There is no end to the well. Oh, you might get tired and you may rest for a while, but there's no end to the well. You can keep going. You can keep neighboring. You can keep neighboring over and over and over again because God's love is within you. This is why these two commandments go together. It's why Jesus said, look, there is no commandment, singular, greater than these. He lumped them together, the love of God and the love of your neighbor. Now, if we're going to love our neighbor, it means that we have to go, right? We have to, we have to live the, what we call the sense life. You can't love your neighbor sitting on your couch in, in your living room all the time, right? You have to be around somebody. You have to engage somebody. You have to interact with somebody. It's the sense life that we're after here today. In the coming weeks, we'll explore who our neighbor is, and we'll explore some ways, some intentional ways that we can love our neighbor. But for today, God's truth for us today is that we're going we're gonna to embrace the fact that God has sent us to love our neighbors. Now, it shouldn't surprise us, um, this sentness of God. If you read the Bible you will see this thread weave itself all throughout the scriptures. All right? Th think about it with me. So in the beginning, Genesis 1, God sends his words out of his mouth. He said, let there be light, and all of the universe as we know it was created. However you see that creation, that's not for us to debate today. But God, as creator, sent his words out of his mouth. This is how the Bible describes the story of creation. This is how it's described, as God sending his words out of his mouth, right? The very first act of creation was a sent thing. Um, go to Genesis 12. Abraham, the father, one of the forefathers of our faith, um, legend, OG, like, like everything started with Abraham. Abraham, God said to Abraham, I want you to go to a land I'm going to send you. I want you to get all your family, all your stuff, everything, and I want you to just go that way, and I'll tell you along the way where you're going to, hit, where you're going to end up. Just go. This is how God started the Jewish faith, and out of Judaism came Christianity. It started with God saying go, right? All of the Old Testament... That's the, if you're not familiar with the Bible, that's the section from the beginning of days to the birth of Jesus. All of the Old Testament, God is continually sending his people somewhere. He's sending his prophets to go tell people stuff. God is sending um, notices of the Messiah who is to come. All of this is being sent. And then, of course, we get to John chapter 1. The New Testament, which is the birth of Jesus to the end of days section of the Bible. John chapter 1, it says it like this in the message. And Jesus, the word, became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The ultimate in God's sending was to send himself to humanity. Jesus, born of a virgin, sent all God all man. 
So then Jesus begins to gather followers to himself, right? And in Matthew chapter 10, he sends out his core circle of 12 followers. And he says, go out to the villages around you, and I want you to speak of the kingdom of God. I want you to heal people. I want you to um, feed people. I want you to do the things I've done. Go to the villages around you. He eventually sends a larger group after that, right? Can you see it? Can you see what, what God is doing here? There is this sent thing that is happening. All the way until Jesus says to his followers, this is, this is the, the ultimate in sending. Jesus has died. He's now been resurrected. He's on the earth for 40 days after his resurrection. He gathers all of his followers together at that point, and he says, go into all the nations. So the first passage we read where Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, that's called the great commandment. The ultimate in sending is that Jesus then gave us the great commission. Those two go together. And the great commission is found in Matthew chapter um, 28. And it says this, it'll be up here on the screen, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. So if we are a sent people because of the Great Commission, and we're sent to our neighbors because of the Great Commandment, then what do we need to do? What do we need to do? Well, we need to figure out who our neighbor is, and then, we need to, and then we need to look at how are we going to neighbor well. Now, those are things that we're going to touch on in the weeks to come. But for today, we want to wrestle with this. The truth of God is that you are a sent person. We, as a people, are a sent people. Um, Ephesians 2 says it like this. For we are God's handiwork. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God, in his great love for you, not only gave you a purpose, but he set aside specific things for you to do that only you can do. In this moment, for example, I am standing up in this place, with the great honor, the great privilege, the great responsibility of opening up the Bible and teaching you. This is a specific work that God designed for me to do right now in this moment. I get to live it out right in front of you. God has specific works designed that he set aside just for you. And you're like, okay, wow, that's pretty cool. What, how do I figure that out? Like, like what does that look like? How, how, how do I go about doing that? This work of God that I'm living in right now in this moment is sort of secondary, though, to the main thing, which is the same main thing for you. It's the same main thing for all of us. And it's loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor. Those are the very specific things that God has set aside for you to do. And there are other things like what I'm doing right now. But loving God and loving your neighbor God has set aside that for you to do, and he's asked you to do it, to join him in that work. 
So here's the challenge for all of us today. Are you willing to embrace the sent life? Are you willing? You know, uh, a couple weeks ago I told you that we took our, our son, um, our middle son, Micah, but he's the first, our, our oldest stayed here locally for school and is going away next fall. Our middle son, Micah, is the first one to go away. We j just dropped him off. And, uh, and it, was a, uh, it, was a, it was everything you would imagine it would be. And, and he's doing great, and we're, we're just super, super stoked for him. And um, they, uh, l listen, he's not suffering. They have two Chick-fil-A's on their campus. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's just so that it's more convenient, you know? So you don't have to walk all the way across campus to go to Chick-fil-A, right? You can go to the one you're closest to. Um, but, um, one of the speakers uh, that, that spoke to the parents had this great quote. You've probably heard it before, and it'll be, it'll be up here on the screen. And it says, here, here's what it says. A ship in harbor is safe, but that is not what it's designed for. And in that moment where we were dropping off our son and we were giving him over to this you know, campus of 25,000 students and leaders and leaving him and driving away. We took great, great encouragement from this quote right here. That we had done the best that we could to build this ship, but it wasn't designed to stay in our harbor forever. In fact, the longer it stayed in our harbor, the more that it was eventually going to rot. It wasn't designed to stay in our harbor. It has to be sent out. You and I are exactly the same. Listen, Sunday mornings, this is a harbor. We hope it's a harbor for you, right? It's friendly people. It's an encouraging environment. There's pancakes. There's coffee today. There's free Marianne's ice cream as part of our uh, sign up Sunday for hangouts, which means no one's going to judge you if your pancakes become pancakes a la mode. Put that ice cream right up on there. Kids, you heard me say it. Do it. Do it. Parents are cursing me right now. Okay. This is a great environment. This is a harbor. But you weren't designed to stay in the harbor. You were designed to go out to sea. God has adventure for you. He has things that he wants you to experience and people he wants you to talk to and, and lots and lots of amazing things in store for you. But if you don't embrace the scent life, if all you try to do is stay in the harbor, you won't experience it. We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.